Good morning, good evening, hello, wherever you are. This is Nashville CA, your bi-weekly bi-movie podcast by two dudes on... Ooh, we should change the name this time, Sean. It should be Florida C- Orlando CA? At any rate. Orlando CA. Yeah, Orlando yeah. CA, yeah. This is... Uh, I'm coming to you from an entirely different setup, so if I screw things up, uh, let's blame it on that. How are you today, Sean? I'm good. Uh... I'm excited we're going to finally get a break in some storms, which means I get to get up on my roof and try to patch it and fix the leak that has happened. But other than that, I'm good. Okay, that sounds uh, less than ideal. I didn't realize that was happening. Yeah, it's all right. I got to bucket up in the attic. I've spent a lot of time in my attic in the past week running speaker wires to make my, my cables invisible. So they run behind the TV through the wall, and same with the TVs, all those cables. So I, I've really cleaned my act up, but I've been climbing around in fiberglass for the past few days, and yeah, a leak started during this massive storm, or back-to-back-to-back storms that we've had. Um, how, how do you get your cables out of the wall once you put them in there? Do you just You'd fish, them, fish them out? What do you do? Pull them through the attic, yeah. Just drilled a hole through the attic, and then, uh, but of course, my drill bit wasn't long enough to go through the stud in between the walls, but it was almost long enough. So I had a chisel and mallet up there because I thought I could just <laughs> smash through the last little bit of the wood, and then, of course, ended up having part of the pad of my hand in between the chisel and the wood and pinched that. And so now I'm in my attic bleeding. Sc- sc- yelling fuck and my mom is in town during this and i'm just it was a mess things are better now though i would hope so especially since especially since we're doing this episode uh, i've been excited about this one since i watched both these movies uh yesterday morning so excited for a whole day and a half Mm-hmm. yeah that's all right uh i just finished Banshees. I started it on an airplane and then finished it uh, right before I texted you. So, Oh, just just how it's meant to be watched. <laughs> yes, on an iPad in sections. Oh, God. You shouldn't have admitted that. Uh, okay, does it matter that the movie still moved me and, like... I couldn't have asked for it to have more impact, I don't think. Unless it would just totally wreck me. Yeah, but now you're you, now you're telling me that you're the awkward guy crying at his iPad sitting next to me on the airplane. I had gentlemen on either side of me. One was watching Free Guy, and the other was watching some uh, war movie. So I was definitely the odd man out on the, in this scenario. Yeah, let's get the Free Guy on. I'd rather talk to him. <laughs> Cinematic uh, so classic today, free guy. As, as we talked about last time, um, we realized we were missing some movies from our best of 2022 list. And so that's how we ended up pairing uh, Banshees of Inna Sharon and Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Those are the two we're going to be talking about today. And uh, I actually, I, I think this pairing did work out. It's a really weird double feature, but there, I think there's still some themes in common and some, some common ground between these two. 
Yeah, I'm really impressed. And uh, I mean, do we want to talk about themes? I mean, we don't normally talk about themes, but there's some good themes in here. Well, they always come up. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say we don't talk about themes. You make it sound like we're Philistines. Ooh. Who watch movies on their iPads on airplanes. Doesn't <laughs> <laughs> which one? All right, so you watched you watched Marcel the Shell and first then. Yes. All right. Well, we watched them in opposite order this week, so we have to fight it out over which way we think is the correct order to discuss these. I think if we we're starting dark and ending light, we need to start with Banshees of Inisherin. Okay. It it's definitely the darker. I I mean I I I could mm. argue with you about this, but then we would be rowing. Yeah. Are we rowing? It looks like you're rowing. <laughs> so this uh Let's call this my pick, because I'm a huge Martin McDonough guy. Uh, this is Banshees of Inna Sharon from 2022, and this is directed and written by Martin McDonough, who did such movies as In Bruges, Seven Psychopaths, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Mons- Ebbing Missouri? Yeah. I almost said Montana. Um, and I, he's just one of my favorite directors going. I think he has a really funny black humor that and just these really dark jokes and dark characters, but these movies still make me laugh out loud, even <laughs> when presented with these very like melodramatic, tragic storylines that are happening around them. Um, what's your history with Martin McDonough? Um, so for Martin McDonough, the only f- other film I've seen is in in Bruges. What? Yeah, I haven't seen. God, you're such a letdown sometimes, man. <laughs> you know, you really are. You can't wear an Annihilation shirt and not not having seen three billboards. Is that how that works? I don't know. You're the one that parades around as a movie buff. I just do it in secret. <laughs> Uh, I think the, let's see, Three Billboards was kind of maligned, as I recall. Um, what? Yeah. I, I think it received a critical drubbing. Oh. Yeah. I, I recall just seeing good things about it. Francis McDormand is awesome in it, as is Woody Harrelson. You should see it. Um, and Seven uh, Psychopaths is just... Well, it, it, it's it's crazy. Is is it a real wacky one? It's funny. I mean, Sam Bell is going over the top in it. Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Sam Rockwell, who in one of his movies played a character, I think named Sam Bell or something. Forever, I get his last name mixed up in my head. Was, was that he's in, like a rug and a carpet? Was that in Moon? I think Moon. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's Sam Bell in Moon. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I'm how many. John Michael McDonough films have you seen? Martin uh, McDonough's just, brother. Just um, The Guard. And that's one with Brendan Gleeson, who we see in this movie. Yeah. And um, Don Cheadle? I don't... I, I remember, yes. like, nothing about that movie, though, aside from those two being in it. Uh, that, that movie... Jeez. That movie is 12 years old at this point? 
that's bananas. <laughs> that doesn't seem like long ago, but life be like that sometimes. Um, so I've seen the guard and cavalry, which are both fantastic and both feature Brendan Gleeson. I've who, had cavalry downloaded for a while, but I see that, that cover art and it's just like Brendan Gleeson dressed as a priest. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, Oh man, am I in the mood for religious drama? No, <laughs> not today. But and that's not what not it today. is. I, I'm sure it's not, but that poster, oh. Yeah. Sometimes a poster just doesn't welcome you in, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes, like, band names put me off, even though they shouldn't. Uh, so, Brennan Gleeson, I first saw in uh, Braveheart. And I loved Braveheart when I was a kid. It's like, my favorite movie when I was a kid. And he plays Hamish, and he's just like a giant in that movie, and I love him. And so it's just been fun to see him pop up and become more and more of a legitimized, like, top-tier character actor who is Mm -hmm. also a leading man. And so um, after that, you know, in in Bruges is awesome, but he's hilarious in Lake Placid, too. He and Oliver Platt steal that movie, I think. Um, Betty White isn't like Placid, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I have, that's a, a 24-year-old movie at this point, so. I remember seeing that in theater. Our golden retriever had just died. And I was sad. It was like a day or two <laughs> later, and my mom's like, my friend was having a birthday party to go see Lake Placid in theater. And my mom's like, you should go. Go with your friends, like, get out of the house, stop just your mourning and grieving. And and she was right, because I loved it. We had a great time in theater seeing that one. That's, uh, I'm looking through Brendan Gleeson, and uh, canonically in my own life, I probably would have seen him in Far and Away, I guess would have been the first one. Which I've 90- never heard of that. You never heard of the the Tom Cruise Nicole Kidman classic Far and Away? It's not ringing any bells. Okay, is this before or after Days of Thunder? This would have been after Days of Thunder, I believe. So I'm not up, was... I'm not up to date on my my Cruise filmography. Um, how about Colin Farrell? Because uh, Colin Farrell was a guy who. I did not take seriously for a long time. And I'll tell you, the the movie, I don't remember what he was in when he was younger. I, I, I can't even really tell you much Colin Farrell stuff early. I know he's in Tigerland, but I, I didn't see that for a long time. But I thought he was pretty cool in Daredevil. His bullseye. <laughs> the guy who, when he threw paper clips through somebody's trachea at a bar, I was uh-huh. like, hey, that's pretty cool. Uh, but it, honestly, it was in Bruges was the movie that completely turned me around on him and was like, oh, my. All right. This guy has the chops. This guy has whatever it factor it is. And just he, he's so fucking good now. And in this movie, of like, he and Gleason together definitely just have a spark. And this movie carries what they had. I think it's I think they're even better in this together than they were in, in Bruges. Mm-hmm. 
I think so too. It's um, it's weird because the movie has them at odds the the whole time, but you can see that there was a friendship there. That's you what I still you can still smell the friendship in the air, even if you can't see it anymore. Ooh, I could practically smell this whole movie. I thought about that with the 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 greenery, like it's so wet and green, and it just there's something about the rich earth, and you see it later when he's digging up uh, the ground a little bit that it just looks really rich, and I imagine it would smell delightful. Would you want to live here? Oh, I was going to ask you because my assumption would be that you would be very happy in this in in Ashiran. I I I want that pub life. Uh-huh. That lantern lit, kerosene lanterns only, heavy wood furniture everywhere, and people playing acoustic strings in the corner. I I, <laughs> I, I want that. I want to be a part of that band and that troupe. That looks so much fun. This looks fun for a while, but this is... I think this movie takes place in, like, spring. Mm-hmm. And it looks cold. <laughs> you know? Like, I'm pretty sure this is the nicest time of year on this island. Maybe summer's nicer, but it still looks cold. And there's not a tree in sight. And I, the, the, the lack of trees would really fuck with me, I think. Oh, okay. So That's... I would not want to live here. I think I, I, it's like I, I kind of would like that lifestyle of like small village, small town, everyone living near in proximity and stuff like that. But more in the in the woods or the mountains or something like that. This 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 place is just too coastal, too freezing, too wet. Interesting. Uh, I figured the uh, the pub life would have ruled over any any other oh, misgivings believe, that you might have had. Believe me. I, it, also, I'm not crazy about drinking bottled beers mm-hmm. when I go out, and this place is still on bottles. They haven't they haven't started importing kegs yet to this island, so uh, that that kind of is a deterrent for me. What was the keg situation in the 1920s, though? Is that when this takes place? I had no idea. I was trying to figure it out, and that sounds right, based on the clothes, the hats. Yeah. Yeah, the the multiple layers that everybody is wearing? That sounds right. Uh, it, I don't know. So I guess Ireland has been at Civil War for a really long time, and not just... I, I don't know my history of the of Irish civil war, but that this place is, this movie is set with the backdrop of this is, this is an earlier Irish civil war, not the troubles. This the is troubles were the ones that were in like the seventies and eighties starting around then. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. I, the, all of my knowledge right now is coming from the movie Patriot games. So you better please take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> what about, uh, was, Oh, what's the Brad Pitt uh one? Brad Pitt IRA? Yeah. I don't know. Spy game? No, it's before that. The the Devil's Own? Hmm. I haven't seen that one. Something along those lines. At any rate. 
Yeah, uh, I sadly don't know very much about. You know, this is uh, they they talk about Westerners only knowing the Western world and nothing of Eastern Europe or uh, it, really much of anything. But we didn't even know the West. I barely know American history, <laughs> let alone yeah. anything else, anything across the pond. Do you know how long the world has been around and how much shit has happened on it? I, I'm not like a an oracle or like some kind of speaker <laughs> who hands down knowledge and family tradition and like that. I'm just a walking library. I'm, I'm thinking of the Castlevania cartoon right now. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> oh. But it's not my job to know all this shit. Okay, just because. I don't know all this shit doesn't mean I can't be nice, right? Oh, that that scene in the pub, uh, that got me. That got me real good, Sean. Yeah, was that on the plane? That was on the plane. So oh boy. maybe I had a little bit of, um, uh, you know, the, the air pressure kind of changing my tear ducts a little bit. Is that a thing? E- easing up on the old tear ducts? No, I think you just felt awkward sitting in between two men. I wouldn't feel... I, I'll cry in front of, front of anybody, Sean. Will you? Because we talked about this, and we talked about, like, you, if it's a quiet cry... Yeah. ...then you're cool with it. But in that scenario, you would? Because I was thinking more of, like, crowded theater, we're all watching the same movie in the dark. I'll... I'll let some tears flow. I'm not, I'm not crying on an airplane <laughs> watching my iPad next to two strangers. And if I am, I'm doing like a weird shoulder move to kind of like tuck myself into the wall of the plane to to hide it. No, I'm not that open. No, I was betwixt these gentlemen. They weren't. There was one on either side of me. I was in the center seat. There was no place to go. But. I think the the nice thing is since I didn't sob, nobody actually turned toward me. And you got to do like a ninety degree head turn on a plane to catch the guy next to you crying. You're an emotional renegade. <laughs> I'm out there, buddy. I'm letting it fly. <laughs> You're way out there, man. <laughs> uh, and finally, I think we we have to talk about um, is uh, Carrie Condon. Who plays uh, the Colin Farrell's sister? I, I I'll, I'll get around to character names. I don't remember any of them right now. Oh, okay. But man, what a performance she delivers in this movie! She's so fucking good in this. Um, where have I seen her before? I don't want to go over everybody's credits, but um, oh, she was um, she's Airman Trout's daughter. On Better Call Saul. Whoa! Whoa! Holy shit! Yeah. She is! That's awesome. Oh, wow. You just blew my mind. She was also apparently in Three Billboards. Uh, I don't remember. I only saw that movie once in theater. I've, I've been meaning to re-watch Seven Psychopaths and Three Billboards. That's, uh, that's ten things that you have to watch. I know, I kind of wish there was some numbers in this. <laughs> oh, and she's in Ray Donovan. <laughs> Did uh, anyone watch Ray Donovan? 
the my theory is that nobody ever has, and so when you would see like an ad for Ray Donovan, I would always call it out. Um, but I've met people who claim to have watched it, but I think more people watched Bosch than Ray Donovan. I believe Ray Donovan is just a very intricate way for Showtime to launder money. Uh, I think it's a psyop that was meant to uh, lure in dads all over this great country of ours. That's funny that they used the guy that played the Manchurian candidate to do it. Ooh, nicely done. Good pull. Thank you. Bad movie. Um, you know, you know what's not great on a plane? That's a, a naked policeman who has just wanked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but just from a glance, you can hardly even tell what's what with that man's <laughs> body. It's just kind of all just pale. Just just a big pale, mushy, pale thing. Uh, that that was more awkward than crying, I'll tell you what. <laughs> uh, so should we just start? I think we should just get into the plot of this a little is the only way to really talk about this one. And so like, the movie starts, as you said, with these men already completely at odds where, um, how, do, how do we say his name? Parek? But it's like the D is silent? Yeah. It, and is it um, an antecedent of Patrick? Or is it an entirely different name? I don't understand that. It seems like Gaelic Patrick. Okay. Seems like to me. And then... Um, Parik, played by Colin Farrell, goes to his friend Colum's house, and Colum refuses to answer the door. He's just sitting there smoking, and he goes to the pub, and this begins what's ultimately like a giant Greek tragedy with a, with some comedy elements involved, but just the most mundane story setups. I, I love how simple this initial idea is. Um, and as we go through it, I think this movie's really relatable in some mm-hmm. ways that we'll talk about. But, um, yeah, so what do you think as we get to the pub and Column shows up after Parek is gone and Gleason and Farrell make their first interaction together? Just the whole, uh, that's where we have the, are, are you Rowan? I, I don't think we're Rowan. You look like you're Rowan. Maybe we're Rowan. Are those guys twins? The There's the, the barkeep and someone else. There's like the barkeep and another guy who's balding. But I, I'm pretty sure they're twins. Really? Either that or my <laughs> face blindness really took over. <laughs> uh, <coughs> mm. I, don't, I didn't think they were twins, but... Uh... I could see those two sides of the same coin, and they just keep messing with him. Either that or they're they're parroting each other. I never quite understood if they're trying to antagonize, or if they're poking at him, or what. Um, just taking the piss. Oh. As, as, as they do. As they yeah. do over there. I have an Englishman in my family, and when I would hang out with him and his friends at the bars in San Francisco, I was just like, Wow, you guys are really mean to each other. 
that's just the way that they are. I, that's amazing because I don't know if I have any English in my family, but all the men are really mean to each other. <laughs> but yeah, so, we we also meet Dominic at the bar, and Dominic's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> this poor kid. I. I, I liked his performance, and he, he's just on the verge of just... I think this guy has very little understanding of what's happening around him. Uh, the whole thing where he finds the stick with a hook on it... First of all, when that came back into play, it hurt. That... Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's just like... What do you do with a stick? Grab things that are a stick's length away. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the... I feel like the the bar patrons act as like the Greek chorus, right? Of like talking back to um, Parak the whole time and kind of... Because he is a bit dull and... You know the the problem that um, Colum has with him is he's he's a little bit dull. They they differentiate that from Dim, but he doesn't seem all that. He doesn't think. They they say in the movie, "You don't think. You're just nice. You're you're one of life's good guys." Which I would be okay with that label. It's <laughs> like that's that's fine with me. Yeah, he he just he lives with his head in the clouds. Mm-hmm. He talks to the donkey. He talks to his animals. Just this the simple life for Parik is all he needs, and in a very Carl Pilkington ish way. <laughs> of, this movie also made me think of my dinner with Andre. The idea of does life need to be big and bombastic? and full of these huge gestures and important events to have meaning and importance? Or is life important when you sit down with a fresh cup of coffee that you brew, and just for a few minutes in the morning you just have peace and quiet? Where where does that value and that sense of worth come from? And Mm -hmm. at the start of this movie, that's essentially kind of the problem that Colm has is He's an older man, older than Parik, and he's he feels he's pissing away his time, whereas Parik sees it as well. Th- life is these conversations, right? They have the the debate um, between them of, uh, what does he say? Uh, small talk or nice good talk? Uh, something along those lines, like no normal nice talk, <laughs> and. I love that idea of it's the same conversation, but somebody is getting companionship and worth out of it, and the other guy is just tolerating it. And it's kind of heartbreaking, even that early scene, uh, the will you liked me yesterday scene. That's rough. And um, Powerick, I mean, Colin Farrell plays it so well like his big bushy eyebrows kind of go up and he just looks like a sad dog he has 
the most incredible acting eyebrows of anyone <laughs> on this planet. <laughs> they truly, they, they do like the majority of the expressing on his face. It, it's really a sight to behold. Yeah, I'd, that one quote that you said about, um, I you know I used to think I wanted to be one of life's good guys. Now I think it's one of the worst things I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And and so I I can relate to this movie basically in two ways. One is as Colum in the past two years or so. I've stopped chasing relationships and I've just cut relationships out of my life that I deem either as one-way streets or for whatever reason just not worth it. They 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 end up being detrimental. And so yeah, I've kind of cut some friends out of my life. And I know it seems harsh or severe sometimes. But at the same time, when it's just like a one-way street and I'm, I'm just constantly the one chasing and pushing, eventually I have to have enough self-worth to stop doing that and let go of those things. So it's not quite a column situation of we have different motivations for cutting off friendships, but I can relate to that in this movie. That's really interesting. What is the the reasoning behind that. I mean, it's it, your emotional investment isn't getting repaid to the point where um, it's, it's worth it. You're not getting anything out of the relationship anymore. Uh, I mean, his specifically is it's not adding something to his legacy. It feels like that's what he wants to do at this point is really um make something for the ages because that's part of his argument is this small talk and being a nice guy won't be remembered, but Mozart uh, from the 17 or 1800s um, <laughs> is, is someone who we still talk about. You calm darling. Do you know what you used to be? No, Parik, what did I used to be? Nice. You used to be nice. Didn't he not? And now, do you know what you are? Not nice. Ah, well, I suppose niceness doesn't last then, does it, Parik? But will I tell you something that does last? What? And I don't say something stupid like music. Music lasts. Knew it! And paintings last. And poetry lasts. So does niceness. Did you think of the, um, the scene at dinner in Whiplash when, uh... Uh, Mr. Whiplash, I don't remember his name, Miles Teller's character in Whiplash, um, is saying no one's going to remember you playing football in, in 50 years, but we still talk about uh, Charlie Parker. Oh, that's a good one to bring up. Yeah, and I think we talked about I'm sure we talked about it in that episode, but the idea of being remembered to me is irrelevant. It it doesn't matter at all. I'm I'm okay with being forgotten. You know, shortly after my extended family and everyone have died, and mm-hmm. who knows how many generations until my my name is no longer spoken or whatever. But I still like to think about just the the ripple effect of me trying to be a good person, me trying to lift my friends up, and 
support support the people who are supportive of me and build up these good relationships that that has a ripple effect where then that might then spread through their lives down out to their family members and so on and so forth and so i think that's more my legacy is just being a nice good person that that that's what i want my legacy to be because i think that no one's going to remember column's music like he's he's talking about mozart how many tens of thousands of musicians existed in Mozart's time that have been entirely forgotten? Mm-hmm. But being a nice person that lasts, that makes an that that makes an impact on the world. Another movie that made this made me think of was I won't really throw spoilers in, but Everything Everywhere All at Once, with the character basically talking about. Kindness is not weakness. Kindness is fighting against the darkness. Oh, Sean. No. Oh, no. Oh, what's wrong with you? Uh, oh, that that movie and all of the weight that's gone with it is. Uh, with seeing the the awards season and seeing the interviews with some of the, some of the actors from that movie has made it have a longer emotional tale for me than I think it otherwise would have. Gotcha. I have not watched it yet at home and I haven't watched any award season stuff this year. So, it's it's pretty far behind me right now, like oh. 6 months behind me. Okay. Uh that also made me think of I don't know if you're familiar with it or if I've brought it up before. But the David Foster Wallace, um, uh, his commencement speech, um, and it's about, uh, it's called This Is Water. Are you familiar with it? No. Who's David Foster Wallace sounds familiar. Who is that? He was the author of Infinite Jest. That's his best known work. That's that also sounds familiar. <laughs> I think that's for most people that is the correct take for David Foster Wallace. There was also a movie with um Oh, How I Met Your Mother? Uh, Neil Patrick Harris. No, Jason. Jason Siegel. Yes. Um that was about called The End of the Tour about uh it's an almost famous about David Foster Wallace, about the, the guy who follows him around and does a profile on him. Um, but the whole point of This Is Water is basically um, through a, a series of illustrations, he uh, illustrative stories, he talks about the importance of being kind and basically giving people the benefit of the doubt um, when it comes to your personal interactions with them. Um, that, you know, maybe if someone's being a dick to you, they're they had a hard night because their kid was up sick all night. Um, and so they're short tempered the next day, that kind of thing. Um, which I think goes kind of hand in hand with, uh, what you're talking about. Oh, it's, it's a lesson that I have to relearn in my life again and again and again is I'll have that cathartic experience. Um, last time I really had, it was through a mushroom trip, like a year and a half ago where it's like, Oh, okay. We're all, we're all freaked out. We're all full of existential dread and like so much of like the shitty things in life come out of fear. It's like a fear response to things. And, and so then I find, I found myself more forgiving or more patient with people 
but then those things slowly wear off and day-to-day cynicism and old thought patterns start coming back and then and then you have to have a sit down with yourself or a meditation or a CBT session and be like, oh, wait, oh, yeah, I forgot. I forgot that lesson that I like completely <laughs> changed my mindset. And I thought, oh, man, now that I see the other side, I'll never go back. I completely forgot. But the thing that trips me out especially is when, like, I, I've, I've had peaceful mindsets, so I know it still exists in my brain. And I could at any time find that pathway back to it again it's only like a few thoughts away Mm -hmm. but it's just like jumping the lily pad from thought to thought to thought to lead to those cathartic um those cathartic moments where you kind of have life-changing ideas i'm rambling (laughs) but i think it's befitting of this particular movie i think because it's a very philosophical movie where not a lot there's not a lot of plot that happens uh and what does kind of all culminates at the end um i feel like the first two-thirds of this movie are largely stage setting in a series of conversations uh and i do like the idea that the civil war is going on in the background of this movie about this battle between these two men uh on the the faraway island where uh they seem to generally not care about the war and um uh Dominic specifically doesn't take with war <laughs> he, he doesn't take with it and his father the sheriff i believe was the one who's just like oh i don't really care which side is killing the other as long as i get paid to go in and and guard the execution right yeah, and he's talking about how excited he is to see a public execution, and he doesn't even care who's being executed. He's just excited. Yeah, yeah, that guy's <laughs> and, and and like a movie full of like deep characters. That guy's just a piece of shit. Um, I've... he beats. He, he's like violent with everyone on the island. Yeah, that cop. Uh, so that was the other scene that got me was after um uh Parrick tells off um Colm and what's his name Peter P- Patter the sh- the sheriff the cop yeah is uh, that when he yells that the niceness lasts I'll remember my sister being nice forever yes yeah yeah uh that little that little part got me welling up and then the fallout from that is that the the cop punches him the next day because uh, he told on the cop for beating up on Dominic, um, hitting hitting him with a tea kettle for stealing some of his booze. Oh yeah, and, and you, or when the his sister says it at the shop, we think for a second maybe the shopkeep woman, the shop owner, will be like, "Oh, that's terrible," but she's like, "I I would have beat him with the kettle too." Yeah. <laughs> And and she says specifically that's not news. Like like this no, happens. This, this this woman is so news hungry that she's she's just reading everyone's mail. Yeah, <laughs> there's no privacy on this island. That's one tar- thing that would be. I've never lived in a small community like that where everyone knows the business of everyone mm-hmm. going on, and so the word travels so fast. Everything 
everything is exposed, you know, especially with the lack of trees. It, it, there's just these characters are like utterly exposed to the elements. And the only thing they have is these little three foot high stone walls to hide behind from old crones who walked the pathway. <laughs> Did you think she, uh, the old, the old woman was like, uh, she was like the Greek oracle, right? Oh, totally. I mean, she foretells that there's going to be one, possibly two deaths uh, on the island. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, at some point, Column sets up like one of the premises of the movie. And I did, unfortunately, I, I didn't see this trailer, but I didn't cover my ears when I was in the theater. And so I did hear about the finger-cutting proposition mm. as I was in the theater watching the preview um, before Everything Everywhere. And so I knew about the finger thing going into this. Uh, but I also thought it was going to be Colin Farrell who was threatening to cut his fingers off unless his friend would talk to him. So this, this flipped it on, him, on me, though. Oh, okay. I had no idea, and the finger thing was very shocking to me. <laughs> Yeah, me too, because, um, we, you know, Colum makes the threat, and I think it's just a threat, and it's just some bullshit that a guy would say, especially a guy who, the only reason he's not talking to me is because he wants to play his violin. So I, I don't think he's going to cut off 25% of his violin fingers. You only have four violin fingers, basically. Mm -hmm. I don't believe he's going to cut it off. And so, you know, Parak is a bad drunk. Yeah, yes. <laughs> he may be a nice guy sober, but when he's drunk, he doesn't do well. The uh, idea that he keeps repeating, it was something that I said when I was drunk. I don't think I said anything. Uh, and it, I think it shows a pattern of him kind of doing this. Although... Uh, Colum says when he does yell at him, he says that's the most interesting he's been. <laughs> that that apology's so awkward that when he tries to shake his hand and then like give him a little like shoulder tap. <laughs> and... <clears throat> and so yeah, this is where we get. How is it delivered again? It doesn't show Colum do it. We just get Colum throwing it against the door. Correct. Yeah, and the first time we don't even see him doing it. We hear it from the inside, and it just sounds like something like a bird, uh, as Siobhan says, a bird running into the door. Were you trying to figure out the logistics of how he's using these gigantic sheep shears one-handed to, to accomplish these acts of dismemberment? I assume after he had it... We see it. We do see it stuck into the table. Yeah. I assume that he puts his finger down and then leans his weight on top of the shears. Because Oof. you really gotta commit to that. Yeah. I body weight seems those shears were too big for him to be using with his hand. Body weight seems to make sense. Yeah, and Oof. that's. He, it is his dominant hand that he would have free to chop off the other fingers, though. 
but I still don't think that that's going to do it. That would require a lot of uh, grip strength. Maybe he has one of those guitar trainer things. It's so gross. He, he never. Do we ever see him with a bandage on ever? There, when he goes to the pub the next day and he's still writing his tune, um, we see one scene of him with a bandage. Uh, but both before and after that, he does not have a bandage. And occasionally you see like right into the end of the finger, <laughs> oh, which God. is pretty graphic. You know, just letting it air dry and hang out there and, and just thinking of, well, like I had a cut get infected recently. And oh. It was like a tiny little cut that I was dealing with. How the fuck is he keeping this wound clean? Uh, it's 1923. I'm assuming he's jump, he's dumping um, uh, potato booze on it. That's <laughs> the. Uh, I, I assume that's what they were drinking out of the bottle because there was. Uh, at first, I thought it was going to be some kind of whiskey, but there was no color to it. It was clear. No, it looked like vodka. I think you can make vodka from potatoes, right? Oh yeah. Potatoes are great for vodka. What do you think of his uh, column's tune? Uh, I didn't really think much of it. Like, I, I was listening <laughs> to it, and I'm like, right, it's 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 competent, but it didn't strike me as anything that wonderful or something that would change the world as he as he thinks or be remembered two centuries from now maybe the point isn't to be remembered two centuries from now it's to try to be remembered two centuries from now i guess but what you'll still be dead (laughs) it doesn't matter (laughs) you know i don't know that just I mean, I'm th- I'm I'm still considering getting a preemptive vasectomy, even though I'm single, just because I'm 36 and like I don't want kids. That's how little I care about my legacy. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the idea of passing on th- things and knowledge or whatever, or like feats that I accomplished, especially in today's age now, where that's like I feel like the chase of social media is like pursuing an antidote for our existential dread of just like see me see my life see these photos see these videos just validate my existence please it's like the what i feel social media like deep down is kind of hacking into with our brains that's uh that's very astute sean especially for someone who doesn't really engage in social media well, I used to be on it. Mm-hmm. I used to have Instagram until <laughs> I think one of my friends called one of my friend's moms the c word because she was <laughs> posting like Republican nationalist comments uh-huh. in response to something that I posted. <laughs> I don't know. Was... Things were getting wild <laughs> during the pandemic. <laughs> You just decided you didn't need that particular energy in your life? 
No. The only thing I liked was Paul F. Tompkins petting these two dogs through the pandemic. That kind of kept me going. And then he finally learned what their actual names were. He, he would walk by this front yard and there was a golden retriever and this other little dog. Mm. And so he named them each just random names. And then finally, after like weeks of posting these dogs as he was on his walks and petting them, someone was hanging out in the front yard and told him what the dog's actual names were. And it was just, it was a very big reveal when he, we learned who <laughs> these dogs actually were. Uh, the, my favorite thing uh, on Instagram, there's two. One is the comedian Dana Gould, uh, who is obsessed with the movie Planet of the Apes, dressing up like one of the apes, the titular apes from the, from the 60s version, uh, and pretending to have a talk show. Uh, that's very entertaining to me. Uh, he interviewed himself even, which was pretty good. Um, and then there's a guy who does, uh, goofy voiceovers for old, uh, like school training films about like hygiene and, uh, where milk comes from and stuff. Uh, and they're like 50 seconds long and he puts one out every week. And I, I'm not going to say it's the highlight of my week because I have a family that I love, but it's pretty close. You're talking now. I thought you were talking about when you were going crazy during quarantine. <laughs> these are things you're doing now. Yes, these are these are the things that entertain me. Uh, you know, when I'm sitting at the airport waiting to board my plane so I can cry to my movies. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Why did he start with his index finger? I really thought it was going to go the other way. I th- it, you, uh, any logical person would cut their pinky off first i like that sentence (laughs) although logistically wouldn't it be more difficult to get to your pinky as you can see here Uh, as if you're on the well maybe i just have more flexible fingers than you but i can get my pinky if I was on the edge of a counter, I could yep. put my pinky out and get these fingers down. I could do it. If it's if it's doing that awkwardly or cutting off my index finger, I'm cutting off the pinky awkwardly. It's like uh, if you're cutting off your toes, which one do you start with? The pinky, obviously, because you're fucked. No, middle toe. I'm sorry, what now? Middle toe. Pinky's really important for, like, stability. And, like, middle toe, I feel like, would be the one that would be the least... Well, maybe ring toe. <laughs> you know, you want, you want your pinky toes for balance and stability. Oh, see, I, I thought that's why you needed your big toes. You do. Okay. The, out, the exterior toes are the most important. Sean, we're not going to turn this into, like, a foot thing, but I barely have pinky toes. <laughs> they barely I exist. don't want to hear this. <laughs> I don't want to hear this. I don't like it. Uh, I didn't like saying it, frankly. Yeah. Um, who does who does Colum say? Uh, I do worry. I'm just entertaining myself while staving off the inevitable. Don't you? Yeah, he's talking to Siobhan, and she says she's like, no, like that's. She thinks it's crazy talk, and she thinks all the men on the island are depressed, which they are. Uh, oh, bud, but I, I can relate to this sentence. My <laughs> God, I'm. 
I I just I live alone with a dog. Like all I do is just try to like entertain myself to to pass the time when I'm not working. It's just that's like all my life is. I don't have anything else to live for or to live vicariously through or to look forward to as my kid grows older or anything. It's like <laughs> this is it, folks. This is the show. And <laughs> it so that's why I I have like 8,000 hobbies and why I'm now making spoons out of wood. It's all in the name of just pissing away my time in this like existential void that we kind of find ourselves in the intermediary of. Sean, it's you do realize like for the next three days or whatever, I'm alone on a work trip that feels like increasingly pointless. Uh, Nobody's ever been lonely in Florida though. <laughs> You're in Orlando. You're so close to Nickelodeon. Go get slimed. Gonna get gacked? Is that what that is? Or is our slime and gack two different things? Go go climb the mountain and get a piece of the aggro crag. That see that was post that was post me. I'm aware of the aggro crag, but I think I was a little old for the aggro crag. You're never too old for the aggro crag. <laughs> I really feel like if you competed on, I don't even remember what that show was called. It, it, was, it wasn't Legends of the, the Hidden Temple. Okay, because that's where I was going to go with it. But what I see is you, 41-year-old, 42-year-old, 43-year-old man competing against 12-year-olds in a series <laughs> of physical challenges <laughs> mm-hmm. and winning, and at the very end... As Link does when he holds up a piece of the Triforce, you would be up on that mountain and you would hold up that piece of aggro crag. And I feel like all mental health issues would just be solved instantly. (laughs) That's all you need. You just need that moment of holding the aggro crag above your head. And I think you'll be fulfilled. That's, That's a really beautiful image. And I appreciate you giving it to me. Don't you want to play sports against children? Mike, I like I want to play Little League so bad. <laughs> oh my god, I could crush it in Little League right now. Now, uh are we talking where there's a pitching machine or a No, I want I want a kid. I want a kid throwing <laughs> meatballs at me. But it's got to be at the age where kids can actually throw a strike because yeah. I've sat through some Little League games of my niece and nephews where kids pitch but kids can't throw a strike. And it's like watching an act an act of purgatory <laughs> unfold in front of your eyes as this fucking pitcher just walks batter after batter after batter until they hit the run <laughs> limit for the inning. Oh my! Uh, you know who would be terrible at little league? I feel Dominic. I I, I think. He's D- Dominic would get distracted by a butterfly or something and just just lose track of the game. Yeah, he well, he does have one particular thing he returns to over and over again, uh, which is a, a kind of blinding obsession with women. In, when they're in the pub and uh, all the ladies love Column when he brings out his fiddle uh, and then he hits on Siobhan multiple times and they only have like three interactions and uh, 
But he is considerably younger than she is, I believe, as well. Oh, yeah, he's way younger. Their last interaction was sad, but also kind of sweet, because instead of, I feel like he wasn't annoying her at that point. He he came off more endearing, whereas previously he was just being an annoying little creep. But when he asked her, like, if somebody would ever, what does he say, would someone like you ever fall in love with someone, someone like, like me, me or yeah. something like that? Yeah. The, uh, I don't I know. just asked a friend out to because I was sick of wondering if there was potential or not for us to date. And so I was like, well, there's only one way to figure this out. There's only one way to save our friendship is I have to ask her out. Otherwise, I'm either going to have tons of regrets or just keep thinking what if. So uh, still single, but now we're friends and I'm moving on. That's I like these periodic updates that we get. Um even though they have kind of a cyclical nature uh, to them. This one was a little, was more sweet than uh, going on a date with someone and them wanting to do uh, some sort of transcendental uh, eye-staring contest with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that episode. <laughs> the Royal Tenenbaums episode. That was, that was a ridiculous episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh no, but now I'm I'm on hinge trying. God, these fucking apps, man. But I've asked someone to go to a coffee slash drink and we'll see how it goes. Nice. They have not responded yet. Well, you know, like Tom Petty says, the waiting is the hardest part. I can't think of a Tom Petty song title that's a punchline response to what you just said. Um, it's time to move on. <laughs> time to get going. All right, good. Um, <laughs> yeah, when, when, when Dominic tells Siobhan <laughs> when they see the old crone at the lake, says, we have a lot in common. We both call people ghouls. <laughs> That's very uh, funny. Um, and then uh, Parik gets drunk again and goes again. When he shows up again at Colum's house and he's drunk, you, I, my my face went in my hands because I'm just like, you. What don't you understand? This man literally followed through and cut his finger off. Because of this. Because you wouldn't leave him alone. Why are you there right now? Jesus, dude. Uh, see, I assumed... Well, I guess he was drinking with Dominic prior to that, wasn't he? That makes yeah. sense. Okay. Uh, but his whole idea is that um, Colm said that he was his most interesting when he was drunk and yelling at him. So he's going to try that approach again. And maybe they can be friends if he's taking the piss out of him the whole time. And as soon as Colm shows him, like, talks back to him in a kind way for even a second, all of that bluster just crumbles, and he just gets so excited to have his friend back. And it's very tender and very sweet and incredibly misguided. Ah, uh, that's good. Yeah, that, the whole idea of being dull is like his biggest fear and i i think that's 
I hope it's universal. I've definitely felt like, Jesus Christ, I have nothing interesting to add to this conversation sometimes in my day-to-day life. Where or or when you say you you say something or you bring up a topic or you make a joke and it just lands flat or people keep moving on with the conversation. I know mm-hmm. this happens to everyone, but I still personalize it like this only happens to me in that moment. Like I'm the Everyone else just has, like, smooth sailing conversations. I'm the only one that has these, like, flubs where I just toss out a a, a big old dead fish of a conversation out there and people just move on. Uh, See, the thing is, not only does everybody have that, everybody thinks that it only happens to them. Why are humans so dumb? I don't know. I feel like watching all of these movies and we keep seeing a lot of like patterns emerge and like especially about the human condition and what a struggle we have and it's like haven't we watched and made enough movies and art about this topic by now that we should have this figured out and we don't have to keep relearning this lesson over and over and over again? Uh but I think you can go back to before that to the point of um I mean plays and in literature and probably trash pulp novels that even have the same point that like we humans need connection and we're very bad at it. And repeatedly uh, we injure ourselves emotionally in the pursuit of those connections. Yeah. We, we really, really want the fulfillment of a relationship relating again to like Marcel now, but, and this movie of, this is this movie's lonely. This is the loneliest movie, and everyone's seeking comfort. And that's that's like what everyone just wants is just a a comfort and a meaningful life. And the same with Marcel. But man, do we choose really dumb ways to express that? <laughs> we like lash out at each other and lash out at ourselves and chop ourselves down. And, and do all these self-defeating things when we're all just after the same thing. And it, in, like, a utopian world, it would be so easy for us to all just, like, support each other, lift each other up. Now we're all in it together, and, like, the existential dread is gone. But our brains... We we didn't evolve enough to get past this. Or we evolved too much, one mm-hmm. or the other. When you're talking about having a kid and handing down a legacy or some some knowledge or information that you have gleaned uh the problem with having kids is you give them the gift and curse of consciousness and that is the frightening thing to see come to fruition um and you know it's we're still in the delightful stage with Olivia where you know she's 7 everything's fun or horrible but it's only in the moment. Nothing exists past that, really, for her. Uh, and Kira, on the other hand, thinks about her future now and thinks about what she has to do and going to college and getting a job and the monotony and drudgery of day-to-day life. Things are still exciting. Like, she wants to live in a big city and all this kind of stuff. But there is that flip side of kind of the malaise that goes along with trying to figure out how to be an adult in modern America. It's tough. Have you, have you been yelled at? I didn't ask to be born. 
or some version of that sentence by any of your kids? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I loved when when Parik yells at the dog, I didn't come here for licks! <laughs> His relationship with animals was so endearing and just sweet and heartwarming. Um, again, Colin Farrell's so good. And, and 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 Gleason dancing with his dog here. I I these men are both these men are both big softies and big sweeties underneath, but it's just this like 1920s hard Irish island with civil war backdrop doesn't enable them to 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 do that and to be with each other in that way. Mhm. It's uh I think it's very telling about the need for connection that as soon as Siobhan leaves and she represents, I think a, a middle road, right. Between the, the guy's philosophies with her and particular she's, and journey. She's like the mediator when they aren't allowed to communicate anymore. Right. She's the one that goes between them. Yeah. And, but as soon as she leaves, um, uh, Colin Farrell lets, all of the animals into the house. Yeah. And <sighs> poor Jenny. I, yeah. there was a point where I knew I didn't realize she was going to choke on one of the fingers that had been lobbed at the house, but I knew that she was going to have to die at some point. Uh, I wasn't really thinking about it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it took me off guard. But that that scene when he's dancing with the dog, he's Parik says it takes two to tango. <laughs> Colin responds, "I don't want a tango," and he goes, "But you danced with your dog." <laughs> There's some very funny lines in this, and so Parik goes home thinking everything's fine, and this is at the point where Colin cuts off all four fingers, well, all four remaining. Yes. And, um, Jesus, seeing that stump, and he throws all of the fingers at the door, and we see them, and then as he's walking by them on the path, just dripping blood with this, this grotesque stump of his hand, it's just a gnarly sight to see. Um, I thought partway through this, because all of these other musicians come to visit uh, column, and uh, I think that they're learning his tune, right? Like throughout the the course of it, like it's it's growing, and um, he's giving it to people. But how does he explain to them not only that he lost one finger and therefore can't play very well anymore, but now he's lost all four fingers and he's waving his violin around with blood dripping off it like a madman. I don't know. I was thinking, if I show up to my music lesson, it's a bleeding man with no fingers. <laughs> I'm not hanging out there. <laughs> but yeah, let's talk. I I just I had to skip over that thing to talk about the line. But we we go back to the the donkey. No, this Jenny dying the donkey, especially after his sister leaves, and so his sister is like now his only person of comfort aside from Dominic. And now Dominic is just the kid who he kind of 
takes pity on and uses to have a drinking buddy with for for this stupid war that he and his friend have created for his like best friend now Jenny to die from it was heartbreaking and especially me having recently dealt with putting my dog to sleep yeah no this this broke me it, it wasn't I was very sad in this song there's a woman singing and there's a piano track playing and it was really beautiful but that shot where he has the donkey back in the house mm-hmm. that one really really like broke my heart seeing that one yeah and I thought about you as soon as that reveal happened uh, and oh yeah I know I'm, I'm still a mess when it comes to stuff like that very vulnerable um, day to day I'm okay mm-hmm. every once in a while some memory will pop up that'll put me back there but no I seen seeing something like this will absolutely just crush my weakened heart right now <laughs> Oh, buddy, that's the. Uh, it's made me think and appreciate my my little pets a little bit more. Appreciate my time with them at least. Yeah, that's all you can do. <laughs> yeah. Um. So after this, it's like with with his sister's departure and with Jenny's the donkey's death. A, a a big piece of Parik dies too, mm-hmm. and I, one thing that really seems to die in him is that previous notion of niceness being the important thing in life. He's not the nicest guy on the island anymore. He's like a drunk, rage, revenge fueled man who tells Colm, "Tomorrow at two o'clock, I'm burning your house down with you in it or not." But leave the dog outside because uh, I've got no no quarrel with him. Yeah, and when he says we're we're taking this to our grave, yeah, or we're we're gonna take this to one of our graves. Yeah. Um. So the next day, so he says he's gonna do it on the Sabbath, and uh, Column goes to do um, what do you call it? Confession. Mm-hmm. In the church, and he says he feels bad about killing his donkey, and the pastor says, do you fear God gives a shit about little donkeys? And Colin responds, I fear he doesn't. Ooh. And that uh, that really, I I loved that line, mm-hmm. because it shows, I think, that Colm is a sensitive man, and, like, <laughs> understands how much an animal can mean to someone. And, like, how much that animal meant to his friend. And so especially for a donkey, I believe in the Bible, donkeys are like horribly abused and just like treated the worst of all the animals and stuff. And like, yeah, man, fuck. Yeah. I want, if, if, if God, I don't want to believe in a God that doesn't give a shit about that, mm-hmm. about donkeys and other animals and stuff. Um, I can't remember. There's a line directly after it uh where he's talking about you also punched punched a policeman and he's like yeah and 
like he does care more about the donkey uh, than injuring another human being who is a dick. <laughs> yeah, like that the donkey was like innocence, yes. just like a pure soul, and just this beautiful animal that just wants to hang out in the warm living room with its family. And that policeman is just an abusive piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Oh. I, I have a dishwasher, and it was making a weird noise, and I'm really not used to having a dishwasher. <laughs> I got scared. I was going to say, this is, a, this is a recent upgrade for you. Yeah, oh, very recent. Um, so, yeah, uh, we're going to get the house fire. What do you think is... Parik sets up the the wood, and initially he sets the fire, and he does not look in the window. And then does his cur- his conscience? I does his well. Actually, it's not his conscience. It's his curiosity that gets the better of him, because he sees that Column's inside, and yet he leaves and doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. He just he leaves him in there. So his conscience didn't take over. It was his curiosity to check the window. And I really thought, I was like, oh, there's going to be a reconciliation at this point, right? Like some sort of scene where he rescues his friend and despite the fact, uh, and and maybe Colm still won't want to talk to him, but uh, Parik regains his position as the nice guy but he doesn't like for all intents and purposes he lets his friend die in a house fire yeah it's it's more depressive than i would have thought i i i'm used to movies having more of a resolution Mm -hmm. at the end and more of a an arc that will make you feel good or something. And boy, th- this movie does not do that at all at the end here, especially as, you know, Dominic, they found, they find his drowned body in the lake. Oof. Now, so they said he probably slipped in the lake. I wasn't sure if there was anything more to his, to his death that I wasn't really picking up. I absolutely feel like he killed himself. I mean, he he comments earlier... They they talk earlier about someone walking into the lake to kill themselves. Mm -hmm. How foolish it is. I think the newswoman at the shop says it, right? Yes. Or the the policeman tells her about it. That's right. Um, I think there's that. There's He asks Siobhan on the edge of that lake if she could love him. there's such a lack of uh, anyone else in on this side of the island, especially. And it seems like Dominic doesn't go to the other side of the island, even because we don't. I don't think we see him over there. The it, only person who's over there is seems to be the old woman. But that's where the ships come and go from the mainland, at least. Oh, the other side of the lake. You mean on the lake? Yeah. Okay. Um. But the yeah, I, I I agree. It it's, it seems like a suicide. And then, as you said earlier, the the stick with the hook on it being used in a very tragic comedy kind of way. 
mm-hmm. to then recover his body is morbidly funny. But uh, not very not very funny, but like it's it's ironic. And but the death of Dominic, at least for the time being, keeps Powderick from getting uh arrested. Because the, the cop is going to his house after he burned down Column's place, and then the the crone pulls him aside and says, You need to see this. Uh so presumably and I don't know what happens to the, the cop after that. It's another thing left up to us, I guess, at the end. Boy, this this final scene here. You know, sometimes when you're afraid that a, a movie, you're watching the final shot and you're not quite ready for it to be over. Mm-hmm. I felt that way at some point here as the, the house. As, there was like a point here before the next day where... I thought it was the final shot. I was just like, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not ready for this to be ending on that note. But we get this last scene on the beach as Parek brings the dog back. And the dog runs up to call him and sees him. And the two men are standing on the beach. And uh, the Civil War starts up. Or, or no, they, they say it's been quiet for a while. Haven't had any rifle fire from the mainland in a day or two. I think they're coming to the end of it. I'm sure they'll be at it again soon enough, aren't you? Some things there's no moving on from. And I think that's a good thing. And it's just heartbreaking to see this man's kindness essentially die inside mm-hmm. of him by the end of this movie and it's and, and and also for column to be the one who's trying to extend the olive branch and say he says i think at two different points we're quits now right now we're quits can mm-hmm. we can we just call it even can we call this off and Parik, the nice guy is now the one who's just bloodthirsty essentially yeah, he says, if you would have stayed in that house, then we would have been quits. Like, with the death of Jenny, nothing short of Column's death is going to satisfy Parak at this point. And I think, I don't want to read too much into the toxic masculinity of it, but the idea that one man's hubris and pulling away of connection, emotional connection with another man has caused that the second man to die on the inside and treat other people now like shit. Like the, the music student that he tricks. That's oh, that a, was so cruel. Yeah. Although that was very funny. It was funny when he tells the guy your your dad was run over by a bread van and he's like, "Oh, that's how my mom died too." <laughs> and, but when Dominic says what is he Dominic's like, "That's the meanest thing I've ever heard." Mm-hmm. Or or something like that. It's just like this the, the fall from grace for Parik. And also as we talked about legacy and you just talked about now I feel like Column's legacy is not his music. Column's mm-hmm. legacy is just this 
bitter, acidic, toxic man that he's left behind in his wake. And that's his legacy. That's what he's leaving behind for the world is just now this void that used to be a kind, nice person. I think it's the park at the end um, when he does Calum extends the olive branch and Parrick says, I don't fucking care. Like that is worn out of him and it's, it is tragic and upsetting and not the note that I wanted it to end on. Although it's a great note and I feel like it's uh, opposed to the end of in Bruges, which was incredibly dark throughout it. And then had kind of a moment of hope at the end. That's a good point. And thinking about three billboards, I won't spoil anything. Well, I I just won't say anything. But it's each of his movies ends. I don't remember specifically Seven Psychopaths, but they all end on a kind of a different vibe. Mm -hmm. He's not he's not just hammering us with pure bleakness every time, and. You know, I, I was grateful that this movie made me laugh out loud as many times as it did, and the performances were so good, because this is a dark movie, and this this was depressing, but this could have been, like, imagine Von Trier making this movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, the worst thing in the world. So, I, McDonough, McDonough did it again for me, man. The, he, that guy's four out of four for the, the movies that he's made. I'll start this one off. I'm gonna go four and a half. I don't I don't I don't know if it has the five in it. I don't know. I I was really close to giving it a five, but I, I think four and a half is where I'll sit. How about yourself? Um I waited to do this until we were on air. Um and I'm shocked at some of the people that I see giving this a low rating uh, because I also have to go four and a half. Um, there's, there's a couple people who I thought would be suckers for it on my letterbox list that gave it below three, which is, which is shocking. Really? I, I don't. Yeah. I think even on a craft level, this Dude, one, this movie is beautiful and the performances, like even if you don't dig the story, I don't know. I can't imagine saying this is a bad movie. Right. That's the, I mean, to get down to two and a half, you know, two, two and a half stars, that's actively bad. That's like, you know, not offensively bad, but actively bad. Yeah. Well, hopefully the next movie we talk about isn't actively bad. We are talking about Marcel the Shell with shoes on after the break. Welcome back to the show. Up next, we are going to be talking about Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. This movie is directed by Dean Fleischer Camp and starring Jenny Slate, who did the voice and was also one of the co-writers. I first saw this trailer when my friends and I saw Everything Everywhere All at Once in the theater. And I remember my friend looking at me and just being, what the fuck is this? I was like, uh, well, I don't know. It's 824, so it's probably going to be something, right? And um, 
Yeah, I saw a lot of people liked this one, and that that's about it. I don't know. what What's your history with this one? I, I didn't see any of the shorts or anything beforehand. Um, I think, I mean, the shorts were from ages ago, right? I, I don't know. I think that I watched um, some of them, but they're from 10 years ago, maybe? Yeah, maybe maybe it's this five or six. I don't know, but the uh, I had not really watched them, so I have very little history with Marcel. I think even when the first ones came around, I knew of them, and I thought it was too twee. Twee is what? Twee is like cutesy, like saccharin. There you go. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, my first note is, is this movie going to be too much for me? Question mark. Okay. And we will find out as we go through and discuss this movie. <laughs> um, but, so I was, this was interesting because, you know, it's a 90 minute movie, so 82 minute runtime or whatever. And the plot is... Marcel lives in a house that's turned into an Airbnb and all the other shells aside from his grandma got taken away. And so he needs to go find them. But that's that's the plot later. A lot of this movie is just kind of jokes about how a, a little shell gets by living day to day. Mm-hmm. Whether it's like sticking his feet in honey to walk up and on walls and get to counters or hooking the fruit tree to the KitchenAid mixer to knock the fruits to the ground. It, it's just, it's, it's like a thought experiment of, excuse me, I'm going to edit point that burp. Why I shouldn't <laughs> drink carbonated beverages. <laughs> I wasn't going to comment like, on your spindrift that you were drinking, but. Oh, I've drank, I'm doing dry January as I've drank this like 30 spin drift in six days. <laughs> so I've been drinking spin drift like they're going out of fashion. Um, no, oh, I feel like it's like, so I feel like David Fleischer camp just sat around and was like, how would a shell go to the bathroom in this house? And then just works that out. And this movie is kind of just like a series of ideas of, how would a shell accomplish this task? How would a shell boil a noodle of macaroni? Well, it would use like a fishing pole or whatever. And it, it's a lot of that. Mm-hmm. The, but I think the first part of it where all this kind of, um, I don't know, it's very low-grade wackiness, but where all this wackiness is happening also really endears you to both Marcel and uh, Nana Connie. Played by Isabella Rossellini. Oh. oh. I heard Nana Connie. And Nana I, Connie. I <laughs> thought that was a, like a pasta or something that you had invented. <laughs> Nana Connie. I gotcha. Yes. I'm, I'm with you. I don't know who Isabella Rossellini is. I'm sorry. What now? 
You're un- unfamiliar with uh, Isabella Rossellini? Uh, oh, I've seen Blue Velvet. That movie was bad. I watched it recently. Uh, she was in Big Night. She was in Big watched. Night. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see? Yeah, I no. That's the only. That's Have the you only seen the is... the saddest music in the world? No, I live it. Wah wah. <laughs> She'll get our previous guest Tay. Whenever I the past two years we do the the Spotify wrapped thing, mm-hmm. and this in this year he's just like oh. Depressive black metal still on top, number one genre, huh? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Uh, that you know that those that's the only those are the only movies I've seen that she is in. So I have no idea who Isabella Rossellini is. Okay. Well, she's Nana Connie for you. You saying Nana Connie makes me want to watch Anaconda. When's the last time you saw Anaconda? Uh, surprisingly recently. Really? Uh, yes. Um, we, first of all, when uh, we screened Andrew's movie, uh, the reenactment at the theater, uh, Eli and he had actually put together a making of, like a, a behind the scenes that we screened at the same time, but they intercut it with the behind the scenes from Anaconda. Yeah. So uh it made us look like we had a ridiculous production. Um but after we watched that, I went back and watched Anaconda because man, it got its fangs in me and just wouldn't let go. So I had to go and watch it again. And that was like within the last couple of years. That cast is stacked. J Lo, Ice Cube, Owen Wilson, that ginger guy, John Voigt is hamming it up <laughs> hardcore. That that ginger that ginger guy. Ginger? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's I the only it. one I don't know who he is. Um, he's um. Oh, what's his name? He was the drug dealer in Pulp Fiction. I've seen yeah. Pulp Fiction once, like a decade ago. Really? I guess not yeah. A, not a Tarantino guy. That's interesting. Okay. I think this is still remnants of me also just not liking things that are ultra popular. Mm-hmm. Like that that teenage side of me still exists a little bit. And I think one of the ways is just no matter how good Tarantino's movies are, my response I think is always going to be, eh. <laughs> and I know it's immature, but you know, I've been given the brain I've been given. Sean, we were just talking about how you've matured. Well, it's mature to be self-aware of these things and admit them, is it not? Ooh, that's true. That's uh, that's an impressive leap to take. I mean, for you trying to justify your hate of QT, but that's okay. I, I don't use the word hate anymore. Well, I use it, but only for like... Comedic purposes? White supremacist presidents and stuff like that. Other than that, I don't use that word. 
I appreciate that on both counts. I once, my boss said, oh, no, I, I don't, I, I never used that word or whatever. And I was like, I said, do you hate the word hate? And it really broke his brain for about 10 seconds as he had to go into like a, a deep thought state before he answered yes. Well, that's, it's much like me being able to uh, take anything from anybody, like whatever your viewpoints are, except for the one thing I can't tolerate is intolerance. You're like a, one of those Sith who never deal in absolutes. Wow. See, all these things I did not expect. You drinking a spindrift, you dropping Star Wars quotes. <laughs> I know things. <laughs> People think I'm dumb, but I'm smart, and I know things, and I want a little respect because I'm smart. <laughs> oh, now I'm going to have to go back and watch that. Good fellas. oh you have slain me sean (laughs) um what else is going on in marcel the shell so what do you think about um david (laughs) what's this guy's name david fleischer camp dean 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 oh yeah dean fleischer What what do you think about Dean playing himself basically here in this movie or as um as the documentarian who who claims he doesn't want to be a part of the movie but man he sure puts himself in a lot of his own documentary well and I wish that and this is going to come across as silly because we were just talking about the last movie was incredibly dark I wish this movie had been a little darker early on. They kind of do a flyby of his divorce or breakup, whatever he's going through. Mm-hmm. Here's what... Uh, this movie doesn't... This is not a very deep movie. No. It... It says, uh, hey, these characters are lonely. Now look at all these cute things that happen, and then at the end, the characters aren't lonely. I feel like you, they really could have delved into it. They really, without much more work, because they did the groundwork for it. But uh, Dean, specifically, would have been a great avatar, even if Marcel uh, would not have you know, been cognizant of everything that's going on. Um, Like, Dean, his breakup, his depression, because clearly, what he's going through would put you in a depressive state. And they don't really compare and contrast it with the breakup that took all the other shells away. They don't utilize it for much weight. Um, I feel like there was a good chance for catharsis when... You know, the ultimate, and you know it's going to happen from the beginning, that the shells are going to get back together. But it didn't have much of a punch to the point that I didn't really tear up in this one. Which is saying something, because I think I was primed to. I was ready to. I didn't either. And now one thing, we we talk about 
movie order and in as far as a double feature and you sp- you spread your viewings out pretty far with this one mm-hmm. i watched these movies essentially back to back with about a 30 minute break in between and i started i started with banshees of inisherin and then so i i have this very profound deep experience that was emotional as i look at my own faults and patterns with my friends and relationships in my life in relationship to this movie that I'm watching and it ends on such a bleak note to then go into this movie maybe if I was in a better mood I would have liked it more but especially after seeing a Martin McDonough written movie that's like nuanced and layered and like these characters who have such interesting arcs as they essentially pass each other and cross each other on the graph of which way they're headed. This movie just kind of felt really scratching the surface of things. And it really, really relies on the audience finding Marcel cute. And I didn't really find it cute. And I, the voice, it, 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 it never latched with me. Mm-hmm. Like, the voice and the cuteness, I thought maybe... Like, when I saw the trailers, I'm like, oh, that looks like it's too much. But then I thought, all right, well, the movie will probably have more nuance and stuff, and I'll really start to... I'll, I'll get a feel for it, or I'll feel something... I, I didn't really feel jack shit watching this movie. Oh, okay. And I don't know if that's Banshees of Anna Sharon, or it what... But, like, I guess the stuff with the grandma's sad as she has, like, some dementia and stuff, but I don't know. This this didn't do it for me. I, I, I just... I, I don't know. This... I didn't think this was very cute, nor did I think it was very insightful. It... It... I don't know if it was just me and the mood that I was in, and had I watched it on a different day, like a sunny afternoon... It might have been different than watching it in middle of uh, California being in, uh, it's like 14 straight days of rain almost now with mm-hmm. one or two days off here or there. Maybe it's just been bleak here. But I I don't know, man. <laughs> I didn't get this one. I just didn't get it. That's okay. Despite my, the flaws that I have with it not being more in having the chance to um the things that worked for me really did the the nana connie her dementia and departure i thought were beautiful uh not the dementia that's not beautiful that's horrendous (laughs) and no one (laughs) uh it's one of my great fears. Uh, Do you is... watch the taking of Deborah Logan with a big smile on your face? <laughs> mm. <sighs> That's sick. That's wrong. Um, oh, I want to watch that. Gaspar No made a movie. I think it came out last year with two older people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I, I really want to watch that. I don't... Yeah, if you could bring up the title. It sounds like a bit more of a... A mature movie from him. I would, I would just be curious to see a movie that's not balls to the wall, like insane, 
visual presentation. I'd be very curious what like a a subtle Gaspar No older couple relationship movie melodrama would look like. Yeah, that would, that's a vortex. Vortex. Yeah, yeah, we. I I suggested at one point we do. Um. Uh, Gaspar Noel Noel for yeah. Christmas. <laughs> that was shut down. That's um I've had one of the few interactions I've had with my ex-girlfriend um was like since post breakup um was for her to text me and suggest that I watch Climax because she thought that I would really like it. Did you watch it? No, now it seems freighted with too much meaning. Uh, Climax? Would you like Climax? I don't think... I don't think you would like Climax. I think you would be impressed with Climax. I don't think you would like it, though. The choreography, there's like... there the Between the dance choreography and the camera movement choreography... Like Gaspar knows a, a, a pretty radical filmmaker just as far as technically how he shoots his movies. Mm-hmm. And so I want I want you to watch his movies because of that. But I think all of his movies are so far just way too much of like a bummer for you to, <laughs> to really enjoy them. I know you like bummer things, but these are like some of them are gnarly. <laughs> the irreversible don't watch irreversible even though it's really good don't watch it <laughs> uh, what are we talking about uh i think we're we're talking about um argentinian filmmakers is gaspar no argentinian yes is he yeah He's not. He's. I wonder when he moved. To, he surprisingly is not French. That is surprising. Yeah. Um. Should Should we do a theme month? We never do like. Well, I guess we did November once. Yeah. That I feel like we just do theme episodes. Yeah, we could do a, a theme month. What are you thinking? Um, February could just be movies that spite Valentine's Day. <laughs> Anti-Valentine's Day movies? Yeah, things mm-hmm. like, uh, what's that Australian horror movie? The Loved One? No. The Loved Ones? Loved Ones? The, the prom movie? The prom one, yeah. Yeah. That would be like a good example of like a, or just like a love hurts mm-hmm. or love sucks kind of, kind of month. That doesn't sound fun though. No, that sounds like a whole bunch of downers. Yeah, let's just keep doing how we're doing. All right. Uh, so, huh? You said a lot about Marcel that was kind of negative and really took. What about the music? Did you notice the music? Yeah, it was it was nice. It was happy. 
Okay. That's that's your See, you you don't need me to drag you down. You <laughs> need to lift me up. That's how this works. So the music was done by Disaster Piece, who did the music for It Follows. I rewatched It Follows recently. Good movie, bad ending. Really? On on a rewatch, kind of. On a rewatch, I came fit. around. It. I feel like that movie's a good premise, but it it fizzles for me by the end. I I, I just. It didn't do it for me. No. Huh. Well, really batting a thousand over here. <laughs> <laughs> we used to agree about movies. Uh, my problem is, and Russell Pant pointed this out the other night, once again, uh, that I like everything. So, which is not true. I watched The Whale and no, it's not tr- really didn't like that. I'm curious about that, and I'm going to wait until that I'm, I'm not going to theater to see it, but I was telling you, like, Aronofsky is very important to me because I feel like Pi was like my intro to indie movies and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and then Requiem for a Dream is really good. And then The Wrestler is really good. But then he made Noah, which was weird. And then he made Mother, which was weird. And, oh, The Fountain before that was really good. And he just got into this, like, weird obsession with Christianity. And I feel like if you listen to the show, you know the one thing I don't like in my movies is Christianity. <laughs> so, I just, I'm kind of checked out on Aronofsky right now. And I guess with The Whale, I'm I'm curious about Fraser's per- performance. But I mm-hmm. wouldn't say I'm, like, excited to check out the movie itself yeah um only once it became a contentious film was i interested in it uh because up until then uh, i had no interest oh, dude in festival season it just it got like nothing but praise it seemed there was a festival run a lot of people pushing back against it and pushing back against the play that it's based on um for uh, representation of fat people and the uh, some of the other aspects of it that are treated indelicately, uh, I would say. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. I mean, but I absolutely think that uh, you know you should watch it mostly because I want to know your thoughts. Um, I talked Andrew into watching it, uh, and. His response was similar to mine. Well, now I feel like it's the cool thing to to not like it, the yeah. Whale, which means the teenager in me is going to be like, "The whale rules! <laughs> the whale!" I want you to come on this show and say little, that a little wooden whale. I'm just going to start carving <laughs> nothing but wooden whales in memory and honor of the whale. Wooden, wooden Brendan Fraser's. So, I mean, if you want to see a wooden Brendan Fraser, just watch any of his movies pre-1997. Wow. Wow, that's, that's including The Mummy. That's, that's harsh. 
No, I I feel like the mummy was like ninety eight. I was trying to I was okay. trying to make like a line of demarcation where the mummy was and say like that's when he started to be really good. But I don't know what year that was specifically. Uh, that's weird because I feel like it was earlier. Let's see, yes, it's ninety nine. Ninety nine, nice. Yeah. I'm uh, sorry, Brendan. I never thought you were wooden. You're the best part of Encino Man by far. Sean Astin drags that movie into the dirt. Oh my god, Sean Astin is annoying and bad in Encino Man. Samwise Gamgee? He's bad. Uh, I haven't seen it since I was a teenager, uh, so I can't really comment on it. Uh, I liked it then and thought everything was real funny. In uh, Marcel, I thought was funny is Marcel, just like my mom, can't say Miss. Okay. Ah, shit. Mitsubishi. <laughs> my mom says Mitsubishi. Okay. Or Michu Mitsubishi. I did. I don't recall that part of it. Oh, they're looking for the Mitsubishi. Marcel can't say Mitsubishi. Yeah, that's right. Um, social media. That's annoying, huh? Just in general in this movie, like just like parents bringing their kids to a place so they can dance on the lawn of their favorite TikTokers house and all this other crazy shit that you hear about. Um, I feel like that's a, a partial critique of slacktivism, uh, but it doesn't, you know, once again, it pulls the punch before it lands, but all the people wanting the image of being around Marcel, but not actually helping him find his family. That's true. They do approach that at one point. I forgot about that. Mm hmm. The Marcel is trying to like say that Marcel's a good person and Marcel tries to say it. These people live in Los Angeles County, correct? Yes. That's where Marcel lives? Yeah, I believe so. Motherfucker is putting candles under tissue paper and launching them into the sky. <laughs> Marcel is a fucking arsonist. Do you know how dangerous that is in Los Angeles County to be sending those stupid lanterns? Also, thanks for the trash is what those lanterns are. They're just they're just going to end up as trash somewhere. Oh, look how pretty they are floating away in the sky so they can just land in some bird's nest. It's like when Cleveland as a city had a balloon festival. Where they just released like 700,000 balloons all at once. Oh, yeah. And nobody thought about the ramifications of like what that will do to the environment. I think that's one of my like favorite is of the cutenesses, cuteness portion, uh, is the search around the town. And Marcel like not understanding maps. I thought that was kind of funny. Oh, and just and not grasping... Um, yeah, just thinking about like the size of the world for yeah. a little thing that's been inside, and then him taking him out to the desert and just be like, "Okay, do you see this desert? Now just imagine this like 
everywhere, thousands of times over, th- this size. Maybe, because that also was a moment that could be profound, maybe this is a um, profound movie for people who haven't thought that deeply before. I mean, I bet... Like, uh, my eight-year-old would think this was profound. <laughs> That's too mean. <laughs> That's too mean. I can't take I can't take me being in a weird movie and in a bad mood out on this movie. It's not... I sound more down... I, I don't know. I just wasn't in the mood for it. It's not a bad movie. It's just... And I like cute things, too. It's like, I... I don't know if it was the design or if it was the voice or what, but I just wasn't crazy about it. And it just, um, this also, I was talking to Pant about this actually earlier, her friend Russell. Um, I, it's funny that I say this cause I just downloaded Kimmy based on your recommendation, which is a COVID movie. Oh yeah. But I, this feels like a COVID movie and I'm kind of, sick of covid movies like i feel like the last one that i watched where i'm like okay that's it for me was um something in the dirt and i was like great that's like a great send-off for movies shot in one location with minimal actors whatever that's good so this one i i don't know it just felt like a guy fucking around filming random shit in his house and then afterwards somebody else stop motion cgi in a shell after he just did like a random shot of his desk or of his garden or whatever i don't know (laughs) i don't know why i'm in such a bad mood about this movie uh um i'll have you know that the those people doing the stop motion for this uh was the same team who did killer clowns from outer space that the old movie? Yes. With the balls of cotton candy? Yep. Really? Yep. What do you think about them? Did you think it was a cop out for them to not stop motion animate the mouth when they're talking? Oh, that everything else is in the mouth is like a little CG overlay? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. It's, although, you know, much less work, and I guess it would be much more difficult with a Marcel than it is with, um, you know, a Jack Skellington or a Coraline, where they can swap the heads out easily. Although you could 3D print Marcel. Did you watch 60 Minutes? Growing up? Yeah. Um, No, I think that's when... I would either go to bed or, like, go into my room and play on the Nintendo, probably. Oh, because I think on the West Coast, 60 Minutes would come on earlier than it would in other parts of the country. Mm. Um, But 60 Minutes, I liked watching it as a kid, but it also gave me absolute dread hearing that noise. Because so often I would have procrastinated on my homework. And I would still have unfinished homework that I would either need to do that night or do like really early the next morning after I just spent the whole day watching football instead of doing homework. Mm -hmm. And so 
I would always just be so sad because I'd see my mom and dad watching. I was like, God, I can't wait to be an adult where I can just like watch 60 <laughs> minutes and not have to do homework. <laughs> oh, sweet summer child. <laughs> um, so Leslie Stahls comes in and, you know, they have the whole interview thing. I thought it was so awkward, the part where they find the old couple who own the house and they come back and then like the 60 minutes crew edits in a fight that they have. And this argument is like, it's like Marcel is a traumatized kid. Mm -hmm. And so in order to like avoid like trauma and due to PTSD, they hide in their special hiding place. It, it just felt really weird that that aspect of things um does it make any sense or carry any weight that um dean and jenny used to be married and then broke up like it seems a little weird that this is an element that's in the marcel movie that was not there previously <laughs> to, to my knowledge well Dean and yeah, but I'm talking about the other. No, I know, but like oh, okay, but like why I feel like this would have been an opportunity to give Dean's character more depth somehow instead of shoehorning in this couple and shoehorning in that they would have screaming matches and then for the couple to have a screaming match at his house, but then. I think about that guy and how egregious and insane it is that his ex-girlfriend calls him and is like, listen, 60 Minutes <laughs> wants to come over to your house and film as they just, like, rifle through all of your shit. Like, every single one of your possessions. We're just gonna rifle through it with the camera crew. Oh, and they're gonna leave in the edit this screaming match that we have. Like, I don't remember that when I watched 60 Minutes as a kid. No, that seems a little more... Um, I remember a lot of interviews as people walked in autumnal parks in the Mideast. The they mid were always walking and interviewing on I'm that sorry, show. Always. The, the Mideast? <laughs> like, not, not quite Nebraska, but not quite New York City. <laughs> in the, the Mideast. Uh huh. Somewhere in uh, beautiful, I guess you'd have some very beautiful in, vistas in Ohio or Pennsylvania. In, in Georgia. Man, how's your how's your geography lessons going, Sean? <laughs> Teacher says I doesn't pay enough attention. <laughs> Teacher says, mm. right when I join. When I join a new trivia team, it's always what I say. I say, listen, if the Bible or if geography comes up, I probably can't help. But I'll be good on a lot of other topics. Yeah, I I had no... Wow, Andy Richter is Marcel's father? Okay. I know, and Nathan Fielder was somewhere in this as a voice. And Peter Boners, with a Z... Is the mm -hmm. maestro. I just yeah. wanted to say boners with a Z. 
uh, I don't think you said boners with a Z. I think you said you said boners with a Z, but it didn't sound like you said Z. You know. Oh wow! I thought Peter Boners would be with a Z would be like a young guy who had changed his name in order to make it viral and markety. But no, Peter, no. Peter Boners with a Z is 84 years old. I'm sorry. Did you call him Peter Boners there for a second? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, um, Peter Boners is... Uh, are you familiar with the name at all? No. No? Uh, he directed a lot of um, TV shows. And with his co-producer Dick Wolf. Wow, real heavy on the genitalia jokes tonight. You said you said someone said the c word earlier. Uh, yet, peener. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't say the c word. No. Uh, you used to say the c word a lot on this show, and I had to put a <laughs> put the kibosh on that. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, but I think he was also in the first Bob Newhart show. That means Bob Newhart show means nothing to me. Oh my God. I love Bob Newhart. I love Bob Newhart's stand up. I love both versions of his show. The first one, especially uh, where he's a psychiatrist. And uh, I think, I think Peter Boners plays the, um, the dentist who works in the same office building. And is always coming over and like hitting on the receptionist and bothering uh, Bob. I have a thing for like seventies TV shows. So I do not. I don't think I've ever seen an episode of a seventies TV show. What? Like I've seen, I've seen like one Columbo. Columboner. Sorry, it's in the air now. Is that going to be the first thing you ever ask me to edit out? <laughs> Nope, nope. I will st- stay there. Yep, I'll keep. I'll stand by it. Yeah, listeners, please know I I edit out my flubs sometimes when they're like really bad and I really throw a dead fish out there. Josh has never once asked me to edit anything out on his behalf. That's I. I it's a point of honor with me. I will li- stand by my stupid shit that I say. Apparently, including the c word. I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's because we had Umar on the previous week, <laughs> and after we spent so much time, we spent like seven hours recording that episode. That's right. <laughs> you, you, you had adopted some Britishisms. Uh, speaking of, during or after Banshees, do you want to say feckin' a lot? Because I, I found that to be pretty charming. No, not really. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> I do want, I do want Ripley to come in and start licking me, so I can say I didn't come here for licks. <laughs> I've got. I really don't have much to say on Marcel's behalf. I don't know. I, 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 this movie didn't really st- stoke the coals of my conversation fire in my brain that's okay that's um 
it's a very thin movie. I found it really charming, although it could have been, I feel like it could have been weightier. Um, the moment when, where Nana Connie walks off into the, uh, the sun, I, I did find really sweet and touching. Pour one out for Nana Connie. Mm-hmm. She was a real one. The, uh, but the ultimate like reunion didn't get to me. I think because it was staged right next to that fight, that very awkward fight. There, it, it felt like a real lack of buildup to the reunion, and then it there wasn't. It was just kind of shot, just like a big wide shot. I don't know. It it, it didn't have, as Mark Borchardt would say. It, it it lacked cinnamonness. <laughs> Cinnamon? I see great cinema in you. Oh. Is, are you going to take this as a chance to um, edit in, uh, I don't know, Mr. Bojangles or something? Well, I feel like I do those edits when we have time, but we're recording this Sunday night... <laughs> on the 15th and it's coming out on Tuesday the 17th so I feel like this is going to be another bare bones edit on my part got it that's fair do you have any other notes or anything that you wanted to to bring up about Marcel the Shell no you've really taken the the wind out of my sails and uh, I don't, <laughs> no! I don't care anymore no <laughs> no that's, it was it was it's super your light. job to 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 resist and to fight back against me. Don't just let me take the wind out of your sail. Did you learn nothing when we watched Master and Commander? <laughs> if you don't have wind in your sail, you get blown up by cannons. Uh, the, uh... No, when are we no- going to talk about Master and Commander? That's a hell of a movie. I like that movie. That was fun. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's... <laughs> No, my notes were super <laughs> super light because this movie was very thin and I think I kept waiting for something to happen. But it's it is mostly lightweight gags. It's, I took five notes. <laughs> <laughs> I have five bullet points. Have we touched all of them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My last one was that arsonist thing. So I I'm I'm good. Mm. All right. Um, if we're are, are we moving on to ratings? Yeah. So for me, I know I for whatever reason I just think I was in a pissy mood, and I'll like this movie more later. So I'll give it a three out of five. Okay. I think I'm I'm acknowledging that I'm probably being a pissy asshole on this episode, and. My feelings about Marcel should probably be taken with many grains of salt because I feel like a year or two down the line, if I revisited this one, maybe with a better day in a different context, it might go down better. Or it might not. I might find it just as kind of empty as I did this time. I, th- I think I just want, I was just let down because <clears throat> the premise is there. <laughs> there, like, it, Everything is there set up to actually have like a profound story or a moving story. And I feel like this movie was so focused on the cute presentation that they kind of 
just pushed the story to the back burner and there wasn't much of like character arcs. There wasn't, I didn't feel like they used Marcel to explore the human condition in more depth aside from just saying, you can't do it by yourself. We all need support and community. Oh, so your criticism of this is much like my criticism of the whale. That's what I'll say. They pay lip service to these concepts, but don't really demonstrate them throughout the film. There you go. Yep. You finally reviewed the whale. Yes. Took you took you like three weeks to do it, but I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thanks. Sticking with your sticking with your New Year's resolution. <laughs> uh, but what would you give Marcel? See, I feel like you've talked me off of my high from it, uh, because when I watched it, I gave it four, but I think maybe it's a three and a half. See, I'm annoyed with you, because when you guys, when you and Patrick were like, eh, Major League, I was like, no, Major <laughs> League fucking kicks ass, and I don't care if Jake Taylor is a creep, and I don't care if, yeah, the stuff about Serrano might be a little bit racist, because that is one of the best sports movies ever made. Stand up for yourself, son. You're in Florida now. Do you know what men in Florida do? I don't know, weird shit with, like, reptiles and shotguns and booze. I don't know, but st- stand up for yourself. So, do you, did you hear that during the cold snap uh, here a few weeks ago, iguanas were falling out of trees? Yes, because I listened to a sports show based in Miami and they have Ron McGill from Zoo Miami on, and he talks about that each year when they have cold snaps, that they're not dead, they're just most likely just in like a frozen hibernation state. uh... Also, Ron was a guy who, they had to put an elephant down at the zoo, like right before, like a few days before I had to put Buster down. Mm. And so I, I, he had talked about it on the radio, and let me know through that interview that he did that day that I was making the right call. And so after I took Buster in, I I emailed him and told him like, just appreciate it. And thanks for letting me know. And he sent back such like a really kind, long email to me. And it was just very sweet for like a, you know, like a podcast relationship kind of thing where it's like, it's not a real relationship at all, but I had like a very intimate connection with this guy from Florida over this random thing. And it's just a nice little moment in the world. Because we all need community and. Damn it, Marcel. (laughs) Marcel's so good. I Marceled you. See, I Marceled you on it. Nope. Leave it. You're going to stick with it. You're sticking with a three and a half though. I now I can't talk you back up to a four, because now if you go back up to a four, now you're bending to my will twice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm fecked if I do, and I'm fecked if I don't. <laughs> you're fecked either way. <laughs> oh. oh, man. So, um, uh, as a double feature, what did you think of these? I mean, I think thematically, they were both... Uh, commenting on the same things about uh, friendship and needing each other and uh, they just take very different tacks when doing it 
and loneliness. Arson. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a bad double feature, even if they do have they some complimentary things. Like sitting down to watch these back to back, I think as I've proven here today, <laughs> it's a bad idea. Or if you're gonna do it, start with Marcel and finish with Banshees. Maybe that's a better way to do it. No, I absolutely think I think Banshees would hit hard no matter what. Um Marcel, I was cozy in my bed. It was, I think it was cold out and I was like all toasty watching it and it was very charming and sweet. And it that nice nice homey kind of setting when I was feeling, you know, very warm and fuzzy anyway, yeah, it worked for me. Well good. I'm glad to hear that. I always I like it when one of us likes the movie. It's when we both don't like it. I feel like Possum is one of the only times that's happened where we were both kind of bumming on a movie and it, it we still had a good conversation about it, but it's not as fun when we're both ragging on a movie. It's, one of us has to fight for it, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, man, now I'm bummed out thinking about Possum again. <laughs> And my voice is going away right now. I don't know what's happening. I think it's the lime spindrift because <laughs> lime is a bad flavor. I don't even enjoy this, but I'm drinking it anyways. Oh, um, next episode. Uh, do we know what we're doing? We don't. Um, Grant just texted while we were uh, recording and he said uh, he is back in town as of tonight. And oh, man, I don't know what movie. So I will. Okay. Well, hopefully, our guest next episode can figure out what movie they want to watch before we release this, and I can edit in a little addendum here. Or I just kept talking after I said here, and everyone's going to be really let down because our guest was not able to pick a movie, and he's really setting himself up for failure next episode when he appears. And our audience is mad at him because they won't know what movies we're going to watch. Is that the end? Anything else, my friend? Um, oh, where would Banshees and Marcel end up on your ooh. 2022 list? Um, I don't have it in front of me because I'm not at my home computer. But Banshees would be in the top 10, I think. I don't know what would have gotten bumped. But that movie yeah. was good as that movie's good as hell. I think Banshees would have been my number two uh, behind everything, everywhere, all at once, and it would push Pearl down to three. And everything else just moves down. One. Everything else bumps down one. Yeah, okay. I only really had like a top eight. Yeah, anyways, that's right. You know. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah, it was excellent, Martin McDonough. I'm really happy that he's only. 52 years old. I thought Martin McDonough was like in his 70s. It's mm. good. Hopefully we get a lot more movies from him in the future. Yeah, I'm all for it. All right, bud. Well, uh, you brought us in, so I will take us out. Do you have any last words for the audience from Florida? Um, it's... Uh, I shouldn't be surprised, I've been told, but Orlando traffic really sucks. Yeah. Wouldn't recommend it. I've heard I've heard it's bad. Yeah, everybody stay away. 
And good news, listener. If you send in 50 cents worth of UPS, USPS stamps, Josh will mail you a liter of orange juice fresh <laughs> from his trip to Florida. By law, I have to leave with several liters. That's they give them to you at we the sh- airport. We should set up a podcast post office box mm-hmm. just so we can pay the United States Postal Service for nothing because nobody would ever send us anything. <laughs> I mean, Russell could just bring me whatever. You know, come over and play D&D and drop me some cookies or something. You don't benefit from that at all, but. No, none of our listeners live anywhere near me. Actually, no. that's not true. Our previous guest, Diane, lives in San Francisco, but I'm not going in there. It's a hellscape in San Francisco. <laughs> I lived there. I've been there, done that. No, thank you. No more cities for me. As, as they say, it's the Orlando of California. And on that <laughs> on that very dismissive note about San Francisco, which I'm very proud of, we have been Nashville CA. He has been Josh. I have been Sean. Thank you so much for listening. Please be kind to yourselves. Please be kind to each other. Take care. We will see you in two weeks with movie title. Bye. Bye.